Welcome, everybody, to another Baseball America Draft Podcast. I'm Connor Glassy, and joining me today is Nathan Rohde. And we're going to do a draft podcast today because the draft is just a little over two months away, which is both really exciting... Really scary. <laughs> that, too, yeah. So, you know, Nathan, you and I have been going out to a lot of games recently, and I thought we could just start off by talking about some of the players that we've seen. Um, I recently went down to Florida... And we'll get to that in a minute. But tell me about some of the a few of the players you've seen. Well, being in North Carolina with our headquarters, this is a really good year for us to just stay put. Now, I mean, we are going to be doing some traveling because obviously there's a lot of stuff we need to go see. But there's a lot of really good talent right here in North Carolina this year, uh, and it seems like we might be writing a lot about North Carolina because it's easy and we're here. But you know, this year it really deserves it with the uh, the number of pitchers and position players that there are available. Right. Uh, two things, real quick. Let me just cut you off there, but let's clear up two misconceptions that a lot of people have. <laughs> the first one is when we run into scouts at games, which we do frequently because we're going out to see a lot of these guys in the area. I mean, they think we go out to games every day. We don't. And we go to a lot of games, but we don't go out. We, we don't work like they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not out there seeing these players every single day. We do like to go out and see the players, but a lot of times we rely on talking to them and, and working the phones and things like that. Exactly. And two, during the season, we don't travel around the country. I mean, mm-hmm. some people think we travel all around the country, see all these players, and basically think we're like cross-checkers or something like that. That's not how it works either. We wish it we wish it did sometimes, because there are yeah. some games out there I really wish we could have seen. But no, that is definitely not in the budget, so we definitely work uh, heavily on, rely heavily on our network of uh, scouts and college recruiters and you know, contacts around the country that really exactly. help us with that information. Yeah, so so just to clear that up, I mean, we do like to go out and see games, and obviously we, you know, pretty much stay around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of our traveling takes place in the summer when, when all the big showcases and things like that are taking place. And all the players are in one place. Exactly. exactly. That's yeah. that's pretty much how uh, how we operate, and I know a lot of scouts are uh, envy of <laughs> envy what we do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you you and I, at the beginning of this month, uh, North Carolina high schools opened up their uh, their season, and you know, first day we got to go out and see Dylan Maples, uh, you know, who is really good. You know, we know he has arm strength, and we know he throws a, a really good breaking ball. Um, but now it's good to see him uh, kind of into his draft season. You know, we saw him last year as an underclassman. It's like, wow, this guy's really intriguing. You need to keep an eye on him. Uh, but now we get to see him as he's leading up to the draft. And he yeah. was good. You know, he's he low 90s, and we know that he can touch the mid-90s. got a good breaking ball. Uh, you know, the command is something that he needs to work on. You know, that's something we can say about every high school pitcher we see because, really, there isn't a lot of high school guys out there that have that really good command. Um, but for Maples, that is something that uh, I think scouts are bringing up. Uh, so he obviously has uh, arm strength. He's got an incredibly strong lower body because he's a very good kicker for his football team. Yep. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I can't, you know, conf- I have to confirm it, but uh, I think if he ends up at North Carolina, that the football team is interested in him walking on as a kicker. So we're talking about a D1 you know, pitcher who can pitch at a high level. Um, but also a guy that you know could walk on and kick for one of the top uh, college programs in the country right now. Yeah. So uh, it just goes to show that how athletic and strong he is. So that makes him uh, really intriguing. Sure. Uh, we've seen Benton Moss, uh, who you know he's one of our favorites. He's just a great kid uh, to go out and talk to uh, and watch him 
pitch because he, he's a good pitcher. He doesn't have, you know, the blow-you-away fastball that, you know, you want to see in a high school right-hander sometimes. Uh, but he locates it well, and he uses uh, what he has to his advantage. I know this season he's just started throwing a, a spike curveball instead of just kind of your typical loopy low 70 curve low 70s curveball he's got something that's a little harder it's in the mid 70s um you know he learned it from another player i'm going to talk about that a lot more in the feature i'm currently writing on uh benton moss uh the thing with him though is uh his signability is a huge question uh not only because he has a good opportunity to go pitch at north carolina but he won the moorhead kane scholarship which is you know probably the most prestigious scholarship in the country uh he's essentially got all four years of his education paid for uh, he just having that on his resume can get him just about any internship or any job for that yeah. matter that he wants. Uh, and obviously I'll go more in depth with this in the future, but yeah. he likes finance and he's keeping his options open for med school. <laughs> That's they, outstanding. You know, I didn't know a lot about the scholarship before, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of heard that he was, he was up for that, but after Googling it, which is what I do, uh, <laughs> it, it's phenomenal. It's, it's really incredible. It, you know, I didn't. Like I said, I didn't know about it, but yeah, it's very, it's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's a really big deal, you know, basically having that education paid for and uh, that uh, on your resume. But not only that, he's really smart. Obviously, he's a good baseball player, but he's also a talented musician. He plays saxophone, piano, and guitar. Yep. I mean, we were we were chatting with a scout yesterday, you know, just talking about the the signability and and the the scholarship that he won. And the scout was like, yeah, you know, basically he's. The, the way the Moorhead Kane works is he's going to get paid basically to go to school. Right. That's how good of a scholarship it is. You get all four years paid for, all your books, books everything. Basically, room, and you board, tuition. End up making some money going to school, which you know happens for a lot of football players, but <laughs> not like this. Right. Exactly. No, that's it's a great opportunity for him. So we enjoy going out to see him play. Not only because he's talented, but he's, uh, you know, he's a he's a good person to talk to. But uh, in that same day that I saw Benton Moss, I saw two other. North Carolina arms that were interesting in um, Tyler Bolton and Jordan Ramsey. Both guys, um, you know, that have pretty decent arm strength. Ramsey only threw 25 pitches. He was 90-91, and we didn't really see a breaking ball. Mm-hmm. Bolton, good breaking ball, but he's like 86-89, to 89, so I think he'll he's another guy that will probably end up at school, but they're uh, two guys to uh, to watch out for. Okay. Um, but I know that you wanted me to touch on uh, a little bit on the college side with Levi Michael. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten to see a, a few at-bats. going to see some more this weekend. I'm going to go see him more and more as the season goes on. But Levi Michael is just one of those guys that he's not going to really uh, you know, blow you away with any one tool. Um, he's got all the tools. You know, He's a good runner. He's got some pop in his bat. He can hit. Uh, he can field. Uh, he's one of those guys that you know, he might not be an elite top first rounder, but he's one of those guys that's going to go early because you feel pretty safe picking him. Sure. Uh, there's a good bet that he's going to play in the big leagues at some point just because of, you know, what he's able to do consistently. Uh, he's very patient at the plate, uh, sometimes a little too patient, uh, but he knows the strike zone pretty well and can work a walk. I know he's got more walks than strikeouts right now. He's showing some good power. Uh, I know with the bats, power is going to be a question this year for college guys. But he's showing enough power. Uh, he's got you know a few home runs, but he's also showing, showing doubles and gaps power uh, from both sides of the plate. And now he's playing shortstop too. We've seen him at second and third in previous seasons. Uh, but he show, he's 
seems capable at shortstop. Uh, I can't sit here and say that I know he's going to stay at short, you know, at the pro level, but I think he's showing the ability right now to at least be, you know, a solid defender there. I've seen him make some good plays in the hole, and he's got a pretty good arm. So uh, I don't think you're going to move him right away. He's going to play himself off of the position. Sure. You know, that's the the position he played mostly in high school, but he's kind of just that prototypical baseball player. I mean, we've right. seen him move all around the diamond. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he doesn't have one tool that blows you away, but he can do a little bit of everything. Exactly. So, yep. yeah. Everything on the board for him is around average or maybe a little better. So, it's uh, yeah. he's then, just one of those guys. Another interesting thing about him, you know, like Trevor Bauer, he graduated early to come to school. Right. So, you know, you look at there, – there's some high school players in this draft that – aren't that much younger than Levi. Right. Some of the older high school players in this draft are only like six months younger, eight Maybe, months yeah. younger than, than Levi Michael, which is pretty outstanding. Right. He's definitely a young junior, which, you know, will be attractive. He's got a little more time to progress, but he's played at a higher level. He's now played three years in the ACC, and one of those yeah. years, his freshman year was an outstanding year where he showed power and, you know, hit for average when he should have been going to his high school prom. So it definitely, that is another element to him that uh, makes him really uh, intriguing to scouts. Sure. Okay, now I'm going to talk about a few of the guys I saw. I mentioned that I I recently went down to Florida. This is about two weeks ago now. Um, I went down there and and did some spring training coverage, but also mixed in some amateur stuff. And the the first game I saw, I flew into Orlando and I, I went to Francisco Lindor's game. And it was really fun to see him. You know, obviously I saw him a lot this summer. But just to see him, you know, play a high school game. And then I got to see him play against a team with some good underclassmen. But the thing about Lindor, I mean, he looked really good out there at shortstop. But it was kind of a tough look for the scouts who were there because his team is really not that good. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that high school – or that scouts complain about high school baseball. Sometimes, you know, that's why they love the summer environment so much Mm because you're always seeing – the best players against really good competition with wood bats. Well, here it's metal bats. He's on a team that wasn't good. I mean, they started a sophomore that just, you know, couldn't find the strike zone. And when he did, it was getting turned around. And then they put in, I think, a freshman that was just having trouble against a, a really good lineup at Olympia High School. Mm-hmm. And um, so Lindor only got three at bats. Uh, he blooped out. He walked and he hit a single. But. Um, you know, he still showed you that the fluidness at shortstop. I think he's one of the the better defenders out there at shortstop this year. And if you know teams are always putting a premium on that up the middle defensive ability, um, so they still you know scouts still got to see that a little bit. Even though I think he only made one or two plays, but um, took infield, took a little BP. You know, he, mm-hmm. you know it's it's a tough look sometimes, but it, it was is still, it's still fun to see him. And then he played against. Jesse Winker at Olympia is one of the top 2012 hitters in the mm-hmm. class. Big, strong outfielder. And also got on the mound at the end of the game and closed it out <laughs> for them. And then, um, let's see, uh, Nick Gordon actually was really fun to watch. D. Gordon's little brother. And he's starting on Olympia's team as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So Is he just as skinny? He's skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's a small kid, but, uh, you know, Actually, I talked to the coach, and uh, I guess, you know, D didn't go there, but I guess he works out at that school sometimes mm-hmm. in the in the offseason. I said, how do they compare? And uh, the coach said, well, you know, Nick actually is a little bit bigger than D was at a similar age, and he, you know, might be a little bit bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. So definitely you got to keep an eye on there. Um, but then, you know, I went down, and I got to see 
Tyler Green and Mike Kelly mm-hmm. at West Boca. And I, if you're not a subscriber, well, you should be. And I, I wrote an article about those two guys for <laughs> High Heat last issue. But um, that was another interesting game. I mean, Mike Kelly was 91-92, sitting around there, touched a couple threes. And, and some people were asking me on, on Twitter, isn't that low for him? And the thing that people don't realize sometimes is that, you know, in the summer environment, guys know they're only going to be pitching one, two, maybe three innings. Mm-hmm. They can go go all out and touch 95 like Mike Kelly did this summer. But, uh, you know, when you have to do it for five, six, seven innings like you do in a, a real game, yeah, sometimes it goes down a little bit. And he was fine. I think, um, I mean, he took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. He had mm-hmm. two outs and two strikes on a guy <laughs> when, he, when he gave up his first hit in the game. Uh, which must have been disappointing. But, you know, the thing that scouts really like to see from from Mike was that he's staying on top of the ball a lot better. Mm -hmm. This summer, you know, he showed us some good stuff, but the stuff didn't really match the results so much. That's kind of the feedback we got when we were doing the top 100 is that, yeah, this guy's showing some good stuff, but he looks like he's pretty hittable. And I think the reason for that is this summer he was kind of getting underneath a little bit and his pitches were flattening out. Mm -hmm. Well, now – He's staying on top more. He's driving that fastball down into the strike zone. He'll elevate it for the strikeout, which is really effective because usually he's coming down, 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 mm-hmm. and then boom, he'll blow one past you at the letters or even higher and get guys, you know, some of these high school hitters can't lay they off. They can't lay but, off. That's um, a tough pitch. Yeah, I, one, one scout I talked to actually told me that earlier in the spring, Kyle Smith, who's maybe 5'10". six foot, yeah, uh, was getting more angle on his fastball than Mike Kelly, who's mm-hmm. six six four, six five, something like that. I mean he's a big, tall kid. But now he's staying on top more and that's that's a, the key for him. He's an inter- interesting guy, you know, as as the draft approaches. Um could pitch himself into this you know, into the upper echelon. There's a lot of good pitchers in this class though. It is. It's a loaded class. Yep. But uh Tyler Green is is a real he's kind of an enigma for Scouts because mm-hmm. when you first see him He's got, you know, the body you want to see. He looks really good. He's he's pretty fluid out there at shortstop. He has a strong arm. You know, he's I didn't see him pitch, but I guess he's been up to like 93 on the mound. He, he's he has tools for sure. You know, mm-hmm. he won the home run derby at the Under Armour game. Um, he's got a nice swing, but it's it's just not translating for him yet in games. He's kind of one of those guys that shows you all the tools in the showcases and you know does all the workouts and things you want to see, but then. Mm-hmm. A little bit difficult in the games. I mean, this game, for instance, he hit a bloop to right field that was caught, struck out twice, and then he hit a home run. So mm-hmm. you kind of walk, scouts got to walk away from that game going, what do we have here? Right. I mean, we saw three pretty bad at bats, and then he goes mm-hmm. oppo for like a line drive home run that was awesome. Definitely has that leverage in his swing. I'm actually going to correct you real quick. He didn't win the home run derby. He participated in it at, uh, at Under Armour, but it was uh, Tyler Anderson, uh, the kid from. Uh, California, yes. that one. But uh, Tyler Green did participate, and she shows power. Jacob Anderson. Jacob Anderson, sorry. Tyler Anderson's the um, pitcher. The Oregon <laughs> pitcher, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, he has that leverage in his swing. He's obviously strong. He just – he's inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, you know, last year we saw him stepping in the bucket a lot. He and was now, a lot this summer, yeah. Um, and now hopefully he's a little more in line uh, with the pitcher. But, yeah, he just needs to find that rhythm and consistency. And he'll get that with, you know, continuously playing and working hard, which we know he does. We know he loves baseball. Oh, he's working really hard. I mean, that's so, the funny thing about him is he's actually homeschooled. As I wrote mm-hmm. about in the article, he's homeschooled, which basically, you know, I talked to him a little bit. And basically, he mean, he's, he's in draft prep one-on-one right now. It sounds <laughs> like he's uh, 
doing some online classes, but really he's hitting the weight room a lot. I guess earlier this year he was working out with some of these NFL combine guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's put on some muscle in his chest. He still has the nice trim waist and the long legs that you like to see out of a kid that you want to stay at shortstop. Right. But he's filling out a little bit in his shoulders, and he, he looks he looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he is kind of staying in line more with his swing. Um Scott, I talked to you, so he needs to get his hands going a little bit earlier and just mm-hmm. find that rhythm, like you said. Exactly. But yeah, definitely an interesting guy. And then also I got to see Brian Goodwin down there, a high school teammate of Benton Moss, actually, right. Rocky Mount. That's right. Um, and that was another tough look. <laughs> there was, you know, about 15 or 20 scouts there, and Kyle Smith was also at the game just watching. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he just he, he hasn't got anything to hit. You know, mm-hmm. he's their best hitter. They also have Osney Guillen in their lineup, which is kind of funny. Um, but – but Goodwin, he struck out and then walked three times, you know. And I, and actually, the pitcher that was going for them that day for Miami Dade, um, name slipping me right now. But he, I mean, he he looked really good, and Goodwin didn't even get to make a play. So the scouts that were there didn't get to see Goodwin do anything, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so that was kind of a, a tough look for me. But those those are the guys I've seen recently, and then yesterday. We, we saw Carlos Rowan. Speaking of tough looks, and that's the thing is that guys, you know, listening need to realize is just because you go to a game doesn't mean like what you're seeing is what you're going to get. You've got, you've got to go out there multiple times. Yesterday we saw Carlos Rodon. Uh, you know, he's a good left-hander here in North Carolina. Uh, we've seen him up to what, 93. I've seen him touch 93. I mean, mostly this summer I think he was 88, 90, right. 81. But I, I have seen him touch 93. So... We didn't see that last night. We saw the 87 to 89 early, touched to 90, which is fine for a high school left-hander, sure. especially a guy that's as physical as he is. Uh, but then as the game went on, the, the velocity kept dropping a little bit, and finally toward the end of the game, you know, people are looking around at each other when he's sitting 83, 84, and you know, you're starting to wonder what's going on. Now, it was cold. Uh, was we'll cold. give him that. It was not a, a fun night. I mean, it was a nice day during the day, but then once the sun went down, the wind picked up, and it just it dropped. I mean, the temperature said it was in the 50s, but we know that it felt like it was in the 40s. It felt real cold. So, and we talked to him after the game, and I know you'll point it out on your blog, um, but he said his back tightened up on him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are different elements that you have to take into account when you see a game. Sure. You know, Ask him after the game, you know, the velocity wasn't quite there tonight. Are you feeling okay or what's going on? You have to take all of those elements uh, into account. And Absolutely. for him, he said his back tightened up so he couldn't really rear back and, uh, and throw hard like he normally does, which is good. You don't want him to, you know, be like try to loosen himself up by throwing right, harder. Right. And he does have a pretty, you know, aside from his back tightening up, the delivery looks pretty smooth and athletic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, he's not a max effort guy at all. No. I mean, you know, and – the, the the thing was, he said his back tightened up like the third pitch. It wasn't right. like it so tightened was, up on him in the fourth or fifth inning. Right. He, so he was dealing with it the whole game. Yeah. But then he still th- had good breaking stuff. Sure, I mean, his, his slider was good. Well, the curveball he only threw a couple of times. The yeah. slider looks like a better pitch right now. Um, but both pitches look, you know, the slider looks really good and the curveball looks fine. Yeah. Um, and he told us he's working on a changeup, um, which he didn't really throw in that game. Uh, so... That just tells you those guys are going to go back out there and see him sure. again because they want to make sure that he, uh, you know, betters himself. Yeah, but, th- I mean, that's the tough thing. It's a lot of the – I mean, we saw, what, about 30 scouts there last night? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of lot of cross-checkers in mm-hmm. there. That's the tough thing is that when you're an area scout and you have to bring in your cross-checker to see these guys, well, sometimes you're not going to get that good look. Right. And, you know, 
the cross checkers obviously really have to manage their time. I mean, they have a lot of guys that they have to see right. um, from all their different area scouts. And, and if you bring a guy in and, and you see a guy that you like and you've seen him better in the past, and then he goes out and has a game that's not his best, mm-hmm. well, then you have to you have to bring him back. You have to try to bring him back, and um, hopefully that he's better then. Yep. It's 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 not an enviable situation. It's, that's a tough one, especially you know when it's your job to evaluate these guys and have someone higher than you evaluate them, and they're essentially essentially evaluating your job. So it's it's tough. It's sure. tough. And you know I don't you know I don't think there are any any cross checkers there last night. They were seeing Rodon for the first time. No, Obviously, he's been on the showcase circuit. You know, yeah. he pitched it tournament stars. He pitched it mm-hmm. East Coast Pro. You know, so they they've seen what I've seen. They've seen the '93 too. Right. So, exactly. So yeah. he's not being completely written off. They know it's in there. It's just now they got to come back out and see it, and that's not always easy to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we talked about some guys that we've, you know, seen recently. Let's talk about our schedules coming up. Who are you looking forward to see? You know, as the spring progresses. Well, hopefully, in a you know a week or so here, you and I are going to go see Taylor Guerrieri. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy has just some of the most unbelievable helium we've ever seen in a player. I know we haven't been doing this very long, but even the scouts are saying this guy is rocketing up boards like I've never seen. Uh, you know, he's sitting low to mid nineties. We're told, yeah. uh, with two good breaking balls. Uh, you know, we're hearing I mean, you know, I- with a changeup, we're hearing mid first round, maybe higher. Yeah. Uh, this guy, we have to go see him. It's really funny <laughs> because when we were putting together, you know, I, I saw him at East coast pro and he was good. I mean, he had, mm-hmm. he has a nice delivery and he was, but he just he looked like a lot of high school pitchers, you know. It was it was eighty eight to ninety one, maybe ninety two, but you know, upper eighties, low nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stuff has really come on since then, and it hasn't just been this spring. It came on between midsummer and and fall because I remember we put out. I'll give our our listeners here a little bit of insight as to how we do our top one hundred list. But basically, mm-hmm. you know, we spend all summer watching these guys talking to scouts and coaches and everybody that we can talk to and then we kind of put the, together the top 100 list internally at first mm-hmm. and then you know send it out for for feedback you know who are we too high on who are we too low on that sort of thing mm-hmm. but when i first sent out the high school top 100 i had Guerrero like down in the 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> and overwhelmingly the feedback was now Guerrero is way too low so we we bumped him up. I mean, we talked to some guys, and they're like, "Yeah, you're you're way too low on Greer." I mean, I saw him the other day. He was 95. This was you know when we were sending this out in the fall, and uh, so we bumped him up. We put him at like 23. I think he is on the top mm-hmm. 100. Well, that is too low. too low. I mean, he's, <laughs> so it, it's been pretty remarkable the the kind of helium that he's had, and um, that's the kind of thing we were talking about when, with bringing cross checkers in. I mean, you start to bring in your your guys early, and they you get the right guys in to see. These guys and they can just they can shoot up like that. And, Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting. So we're gonna hopefully see him in a week or so. Uh, you and I are gonna pop up to Virginia and we'll try to see Nick Howard yeah. uh, at St. John's, see what he has to offer. Haven't really I haven't really seen him yet. So and he's in my area to cover. So I'd like to see him a little bit. Um, and then at the end of the month in April. It's getting close. We're making the... I've been kind of counting down the days on that. <laughs> We're driving over April 30th to Knoxville, Tennessee to see Daniel Norris face off against Philip Pfeiffer and Nikki Delmonico. That game yep. will be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. So it's, that should be a good one. There's that, and then uh, I think... What next Thursday we're gonna go see Brett Austin? We're gonna see Brett Austin play against Audrey Kell, who's one of he's the top team in North Carolina right now in, in our top twenty five uh, yep. in terms of national rankings. 
They've got Chris McHugh, who's a short right-hander, probably going to go to school. You know, guys aren't going to really like him that much because he's just six feet tall right now. But, you know, he can run it 88 to 91. And, you know, if he's in a short outing, you know, like one of those showcase outings, he's touched 94 before. But he's going to live 88 to 91. But he's a good pitcher. So we're going to get to see Brett Austin face a good pitcher. Plus, that team that Brett Austin is on has some underclassmen that we want to, you know, get a look at. Jackson Campana's got, you know, apparently this huge power puts on displays yeah. in uh, batting practice that we've heard about that we want to see not only BP, but we want to see how he translates translates it to a game. There's going to be about a dozen D1 commitments on that field when we go to that game. That's going to be fun. Which is really good for North Carolina. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it's good for anywhere, but, you mm-hmm. know, you, you typically see that more when you're going to see games in Florida. California. California right. Exactly. And then middle of April, Anthony Rendon's coming up. He Hopefully is. You're, you know, depending on your travel with the the Guerrero trip you know mm-hmm. um but i'm i'm going to go see him for sure and that's going to be i'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. um a lot of good stuff i'm going to see hopefully uh it depends on how this trip shakes out but you know that week that i'm trying to see that we're trying to see Guerrero i'm also not only trying to go see Bryce Harper make his debut uh down outside of Atlanta but i'm going to couple that with hopefully seeing Danny Hulson on a friday night against Georgia Tech and then yep. this, on that saturday Seeing Jed Bradley for Georgia Tech, so hopefully I get to see. Won't match up. Yeah, I would like to see him match up, but you know I understand Georgia Tech's reasoning behind splitting up the right-handers they have in their weekend rotation. But seeing left-handers on back-to-back days of that caliber is still pretty awesome. And oh then, yeah. Then hopefully I'm going to cannonball it back to North Carolina <laughs> and catch a game of Rendon with you on Sunday or something like that. I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm going to be really tired. Uh, my wife's not going to see me very much, but uh, yeah, I'm going to. That should be a good week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, that segues nice. I wanted to talk about a couple of players that we mentioned in our, our recent draft tracker. Um, the draft tracker is for subscribers. We're going to kind of give you a little little preview here of what we do in the draft tracker to you know encourage any listeners out there to subscribe. But uh, every every other Wednesday for the early part of the year, and then every Wednesday as the draft approaches, you know we kind of spotlight some players that are generating some buzz as far as the draft goes. And this year, or uh, this week, rather, um, we wrote about a couple guys. I'm not going to talk about all the guys we wrote in there. We usually try to spotlight five or six guys. Um, one guy in particular is a high school player in, in New York City named Williams Jerez. <clears throat> and he you know, didn't get seen a lot in the summer showcase circuit because you know he's – uh, he just can't afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes to the same high school as Dylan, Dylan Batances, where he went, uh, Grand Street High School there in Brooklyn. And, but he, he's generating some, some buzz now because he went down to a, a showcase in Florida with a team called Hanks Yanks, which is sponsored by Hank Steinbrenner. Kind of, uh, you know, allows these kids that, that can't afford to play in some of these situations that mm-hmm. other kids can to, to do that sort of thing. And went down there, hit for the cycle, I guess, in one game. And he's a uh, left-left center fielder with some above-average speed. He's got some power potential, and so there's a lot to like there. I mean, you know, there are some questions about the kid because, you know, I think scouts are going to be a little bit um, just a little cautious and suspicious of kids coming from the DR, but definitely an interesting guy that that scouts are talking about. Um, And it's not often that you see those kind of – talents from New York City, mm-hmm. you know. And there's especially some rawness to him, obviously. Sure, sure. So there's a lot, there definitely is a lot of questions in there, but a lot of intrigue as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one guy that we wrote about in the draft tracker. We also wrote about Josh Osich, um, you know, for, for Oregon State, coming back from 
Tommy John, big left-hander, and he was Aaron Fitz saw him out there, and he was like 93 and 95 in the first couple of innings. He even touched 97, which is mm. phenomenal. Uh, mostly throwing fastballs at this point because he's still kind of coming back, but settled in kind of 92, 93 later in the game. Uh, mixed in a few sliders and change-ups, but you know, just to see that kind of arm strength coming back from the surgery is really encouraging. Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, you know, and talking then, about more left-handers in the draft tracker, Danny Holson. Get yep. back to him. Uh, I haven't seen him yet this year. I definitely will at some point or another. But I have watched him the last couple of years at UVA. And the kid can just flat-out pitch. He really can. You know, he's he's got a, you know, a good fastball right now, but he's also got a really just eliminator of a changeup. The pitch is really good for him. He sets it up really well. Uh, he's got good command. He locates to both sides of the plate. Uh, he throws a breaking ball. It's kind of a slurvy uh, type pitch, but he can use it to his advantage. He doesn't. It's not his go-to second pitch, um, but it's good enough. So just with the ability that he has to pitch, and having you know the good fastball, the, the plus changeup. Uh, you know, in a decent breaking ball, you know, he can be in the middle of a rotation, maybe a number two, just based on, you know, his savvy. I guess you would, you know, maybe his savvy is a tool for him. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses the rest of this year. Uh, you know, there's talk of him in the first half of the first round. Sure. Uh, just on his pure ability. He doesn't have that blow-you-away fastball. But he's just a really good left-handed pitcher. Which oh, shit. low nineties, man. I've heard he's low nineties, which is fine. And his uh, the results this year have been outstanding. I think he's leading the country in strikeouts yep. last we checked. Yep. So, I guess the only question was hit with him was going to be signability. There were a few rumors kind of buzzing around out there. You know, asking is he is he a signable guy because you know he was so heavy into academics. You know, he wasn't really signable out of high school. Um, you know, they didn't want to make that jump from high school to pro ball. He wanted to go to college. And the question kind of came up, well, is he going to have to uh, go four years at UVA and graduate before he goes into pro ball? But, Connor, you talked to uh, Holton's dad. Yeah. Kind of got a little more on that. Yeah, once we started hearing those rumors, I mean, you know, we, we were hearing that he kind of made this agreement with his dad that if he went to school, he was going to graduate before he played pro ball. So instead of just letting the rumors you know, sit out there and, and kind of fester. I went straight to the source. I called his dad and just asked him, I said, hey, you know, we're hearing these rumors. What's going on? And and he basically said, he's like, well, you know, we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. You know, the draft is a little bit of ways away. but um, And obviously we do want Danny to graduate at some point, and, and he wants that as well. But he's like, you know, it doesn't, really, it doesn't have to be necessarily before he gets drafted, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that's that's the smart approach to take. Absolutely. I mean, no doubt the guy he's going to have a great education at UVA, and eventually, you know, if he does need to fall back on his education, he's got a good one. Uh, you know, he can finish up his his degree, and you know, be a good backup option for him. But right now, baseball is a pretty good option. Uh, Absolutely. And he can always if, go back to school. You know, if you're if you're getting that kind of interest, top half of the first round, especially if you're a pitcher. You, you better take the money when it's there. You know? Exactly. Because you, <laughs> you never, never know, know what can happen in the That's next right. year. Yep. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's go to some questions. We got we asked got a couple for questions. some questions on our Facebook page and, and our Twitter feeds. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Baseball America, at BA High School for Nathan, and at Connor Glassy. One in there, folks. <laughs> um, so let's go to a couple questions. The first question 
Let's see. Uh, this is from Japers. Imagine that. <laughs> he wasn't the first question in, though, which is surprising, but this is from Japers on Twitter, and he asked us, which high school arm do you see being the first off the board this June? Well, I think, you know, obviously being two months out, there's there's a lot of options, and I don't want to have a cop-out answer saying, you know, there's several guys, but I think your top candidates are going to be, you know, Archie Bradley, who's, a you know, the big physical right-hander, uh, with that prototypical uh, pitcher's frame. Uh, and then after that, I think you got to look at Taylor Guerrero because of you know the buzz he's created and the stuff that he has. Um, but I think those two right-handers are probably your best bet in terms of just right-handers, high school right-handers. But after that, you know, the high school left-hander is kind of something of, you know, left-handers are always going to go higher than they should or yep. something like that because they're a left-hander. You know, those guys are uh, a commodity. Yeah, it's, and it's more rare. Exactly. Know? So uh, <clears throat> with that being said, I think you got to look at Henry Owens and Daniel Norris. You know, those are pretty clearly the two top left-handers uh, in the country right now in terms of high school we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I think those four are probably your best candidates for being the first high school arm off the board. And if you... You know, want to peg to one or make me be a betting man? I'll go with Taylor Guerrero. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I say wow, but then I think about it, and it wouldn't shock me that much with the kind of helium he's gotten. And then you also have to factor in, you know, teams always say they want the best player available, but sometimes price does play a factor. Right. And you know, with um, with Bradley, he's got the the football scholarship, and mm-hmm. he's going to want probably going to want a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, I don't know what Guerrero's We don't know what his price is. is. We, we don't know what anyone's any, price tag is. price tag is yet. It's too early for that, but um, it'll be interesting to see, and it's definitely, it's definitely a good crop for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, this this question is similar, but uh, this is from the, the St. Lucie to Flushing blog on Twitter, and this person asked, how many high schoolers will go in the top 15 picks overall? Now, before we answer... I looked at how many have gone, how many high schoolers have gone in the top 15 in the past few years. Last year there were six. 2009 there were six. 2008 there were five. 2007 there were eight, and then 2006 there were five. So five to eight is kind of the range that we're talking about. Um, you know, I think, I think given the history of the draft, uh, I think it would be a safe bet to save five because. Normally, we're talking college accounts for you know two thirds of the draft, at least you know on the higher end. But uh, given how deep the college crop this is year, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Now, granted, you got the signability stuff coming into question, so uh, I think five is probably a safe number. But I wouldn't go much higher than that because the college crop is so good. That's true. You know, it, it's going to be really interesting. But I'm I'm actually going to say I'm going to go with six. Five is actually how many we had in um, when we did our preseason to overall top, top 50. 50. That's okay. how many Jim Callis put in there is five, I think. But uh, Guerrero wasn't in there, and I think he deserves to be in there. And so I'm going to say six. I'm going to say it's going to be Bubba Starling, Daniel Norris, Archie Bradley, Dylan Bundy, Francisco Lindor, and Taylor Guerrero. I think all Not those... necessarily in that order, but sure. I think those six – are going to be in the top. top I think 50. those are your strongest candidates for that to happen. Now, as we get closer with the guys like Archie Bradley or Bubba Starling, with you know, kind of the the football aspect of it, you know, the signability, 
obviously we're not going to know until the day of whether those guys drop like a rock because of the signability questions, but I think those six you have there are the best candidates that we have right now to go in the top 15. Yeah, and you know what? That it's that just kind of highlights that how deep this draft is. I mean, they're... You're talking about guys that I didn't mention, like Dylan Howard, Josh Bell, Blake Swihart, Henry Owens, who we mentioned earlier, Derek mm-hmm. Fisher, Jose Fernandez. Those are those are really, really good, good guys. Baseball players. You know, <laughs> we're looking we're looking right now that they're going to be bottom half of the first round mm-hmm. or or later. But it's it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. You it, know? It'd be nice to be a team with a pick in the top fifteen this year. But if I'm a team with a pick you know in the bottom half of the first round or maybe I don't have something till supplemental round because of free agent signings or something like that I'm okay with it this year because I know I'm going to get some pretty good talent that far down yep yep well Rays fans have to be particularly excited because that's uh if they're not they're crazy (laughs) man that's just that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see what they do but um thank you thank you for the questions those are great questions um and thank you very much for listening. Do you have anything else you want to add? I think uh, I think that about does it for me. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely really excited about the next two months. I'm also really scared thinking that the draft <laughs> is only that far away. It means we've got a lot of work to do. But uh, it's going to be fun as always, and uh, you know, it, it never gets old. That's right. It doesn't. It, it's a lot of fun. And um, stay tuned to, to BaseballAmerica.com for you know consistent draft coverage throughout the year leading up to the draft uh, for – For Nathan Rohde, I'm Connor Glassy. Thank you so much for listening. And remember that our 2011 books are now available at BaseballAmerica.com. The ultimate 2011 Baseball America reference books are available. So get your copy while supplies last. Choose among the Prospect Handbook, the Almanac, the Directory, the Draft Almanac, and, of course, the Super Register. Visit www.BaseballAmerica.com backslash store to order all those fine books. Thank you very much. Stay classy.